the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and today I am not especially delighted to be here, but I am delighted that you have chosen to listen. You may potentially be able to tell I have a bit of a cold, so I'm going to keep this intro a little bit brief, but coming up today, we've got some awesome content for you. I am joined by the, the delightful PDI and social media with Laura Joyce, who shares her thoughts from a PDI perspective on the conference that she attended in Kempton. And we also talk about networking and what instructors can do to to promote our profession more. And after that, I am joined by a host of people that I spoke to at the conference in Kempton, including people like Kit Magazine, My Drive Time, and Francis from Driving School TV. Now, just before we dive in, I just want to take a moment to remind you all that wherever you're listening, go and click subscribe. So whenever we drop an episode, including a lot of midweek bonus ones that we do, it'll drop into your feed straight away. So wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, whatever, go and click subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Instructor Podcast. But for now, let's get stuck into the show. And we're now joined by the ever delightful Laura Joyce. How are we doing, Laura? I'm good. How are you? All the better for seeing your smiley oh, face. Stop it, Terry. Yes. <laughs> Don't feel special. I say that to everyone. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to kick off with the, the thing I like to ask all my guests, which I did warn you about, and the, our expression amused me greatly when I said it. But um, leader, expert, innovator, or game changer. That's the, the tagline for the show. So what, what one of those or ones of those would you afford yourself? Okay. So I'm just going to go all out, and I'm going to pigeonhole myself as a game changer. That's what I'm, I'm, I feel like that's that's an appropriate title and I'm definitely taking that with me wherever I go. So thanks for that, Terry. I like it. Why game changer? Um, because I think that, um, especially in this industry, I think I'm coming at it with a slightly different perspective. And I think um, because of my background, just probably because of the person I am in that I'm an extrovert and I love the sound of my own voice. If I have something to say, I'm going to say it. And I think there's lots of things that I've seen already in the industry that, you know, we could do better and we could change and we could, you know, make it because I see it as an amazing industry, but I think it's not seen as that. So I think I feel like my mission now is to make everyone realize what an amazing industry this is and what it can be. Driving instructors, old and new, potential driving instructors, students alike. So I'm just going to go with that. Like it, although the way you described yourself is a polar opposite to me. I'm an introvert and I don't like the sound of my own voice. Um, so it's always fun recording these. I'm not editing them afterwards. Um, but Let me do all the talking. I'm joking. Don't. No, no, it's fine, Mammy. You carry on. I'll have a break. Um, no, the. I got you on today because um, we, we obviously, we, we've spoke over Instagram previously and I met you at the, the conference in Kempton. And... Were you being a PDI at the minute and training to be an instructor? I was really keen to get your thoughts on the conference and that side of it. And then I thought that would be, uh, be a really great reflection to speak about that. So I, I want to dive into that in a minute. But just before we do, do you want to just tell people where you are on your journey at the minute? Okay, so I have actually um, done this before. Um, and I failed my part two three times. 
so that was I think back in 2020 and I think that I needed to take a bit of time out because I wasn't sure if it was something I wanted to carry on with because you know when you take a knock it's not always easy to kind of come back from it but I think that I'd already fallen in love with the industry and so I I decided that I don't think I'd be happy not trying to get into it properly again so yeah so I've done my theory passed my theory first time thank god and unfortunately um can't find a part two to save my life because there's none to book but I'm hoping that my part two will be done towards the end of well towards autumn and I'm hoping that if everything goes well next summer I'll be out on the road teaching your sons and daughters to drive it's crossed. Um, I'm, I am impressed with that, though, because I think that that setback that you were talking, it sounds like you owned that. It sounds like you accepted that, obviously, that happened. And you're probably, you know, upset at the time, but you haven't let it hold you back. You've owned that and come back stronger. How is that sort of your personality? Is that your mentality of coming back stronger? Um, I think that... You have to be reflective. You have to be able to reflect on You have to be able to kind of acknowledge where you haven't been the best and where you haven't done your best. And I remember having a conversation with someone a couple of years ago and I said, I have this thing where I um, almost don't put my all into something because if I then fail at it and I haven't put my, my all into it, I can say, well, I didn't really try my hardest. If I put my all into something and still fail, then I then I'm a failure. And I think that's what I did with the driving last time round. I think I was so scared that I would fail that I didn't try hard enough or or that I let my, not necessarily that I didn't try hard enough because I try, tried hard, but I maybe let that feeling get the best of me and just thought, well, I'm going to fail anyway. And then when I had my part two, my second try, I was like, oh, it's in an area I don't know. And I was already making excuses for why I would probably fail. And then the third time I was like, oh, the pressure's just too much. It's my last attempt. I don't feel great. This, And again, you're just making excuses for why you might fail. And if you're making excuses already, the likelihood is that you're going to fail. So I think this time around, and I'm not saying I'm going to pass because who knows, but I think what I have kind of decided is that for me, how I feel now is this is the industry I want to be in. So if it takes me three years or five years or 10 years to actually qualify, all that's going to do is give me the opportunity to get to know more people and gain more knowledge so that when I do have that ADI badge, it's going to mean so much more. I can feel this uh, this conversation taking a massive detour already because this is Sorry. fascinating for me. <laughs> no, it's in, in a good way um, because I, I can I empathise with that. You know, even... Uh, where I am now, so I've got my own place, and I've got no one else that's dependent on me. So this this business of mine that I'm running now, I've got no excuses anymore. Mm-hmm. And I realised that a little while ago. I'm like, crap! If this doesn't work, that's my fault. Whereas before, I could always blame someone else. And you know, it's that that similar thing. And it was it, it resonated with what, what you were saying about not putting your own to something. And I think back to my part three. So I did the old style part three where the examiner sat next to you and role played. My first one, I was atrocious. Now, yeah, the nerves really affected me on the day and stuff, but I was abysmal. And I think part of it was I just didn't really try very hard on the day. I think I just assumed it was going to go wrong and therefore didn't really try. But for my second one, I'm like, no, you, you've got to go into this now. And I went in with that different attitude. So I find that that fascinating and I think I'll just ask you one more question around that. So you'll have your parts who are coming up at some point. How do you feel about that? Um, 
I'm a, I'm a nervous wreck because the, so for me, I already know that I have the ability to coach and talk to people and explain things well, because I've done it in other industries. It's kind of always been something I've been good at. I'm not saying that I'm then going to go and have this amazing part three and just pass straight away. But what I'm saying is that for me, I'm good at telling other people what to do. When it comes to doing it myself, my own head stops me doing it as well as I should and can do. And I think that's what I'm worried about. And I've had this conversation so many times. I listened to a really interesting conference a couple of years ago about um, the kind of negative impact of, of practical examination and how people are drawing back from practical, practical examination because it is not the right, it's not a, a kind of an, an apt environment. And what I mean is you're not you're not showing people what you're good at. You are ticking some boxes on a day to a stranger when you're really bloody nervous. So, you know, I can drive well. I'm doing a lot of commentary driving um, at the moment. You know, my trainer, Roland, is constantly, he's constantly asking me what I'm doing and how I'm feeling. You know, he mock tests me, he trains me. And in those moments, I'm okay. I'm good. But when it comes to a stranger sitting in a car with all of this expectation riding on me, that is the time that if I'm going to fuck it up, it will be then. And I know that about myself and I don't think I'm unique in that mindset, but that's why I'm nervous because what if, if I fail part one, then there's the wait for the next part. Uh, sorry, if I fail part two, there's the next, then there's the wait for the next part two. And then do I fail that? And then I've, it's my last one. And then I'm back to where I was three years ago. So I think my biggest thing for me is, um, and that's why I love San Harper, who I know that you've worked with a lot, because I need to make sure that I'm not inside my own head before I've got a reason to be. So that's it. Yeah, I'm nervous in case you didn't get that. <laughs> I kind of want to move over a little bit onto the, the conference now, as we said, and, and yeah. sort of almost the CPD side, but uh, I am going to grab five minutes for you when we stop recording to talk about that, because that's interesting. <laughs> but I, I was, as I said at the start, I was interested to get your perspective on the conference as someone that's that's kind of been in and around the industry before, and um, but is a fresh face and, and, and that PDI perspective, if you like. So I'm going to just ask that very open question. What what were your thoughts on the conference? Okay, so I should preface this by saying that I did not get to a single one of the talks that I wanted to go to. Um, there were lots of people talking. I really wanted to get to your recording, um, Ray Seagrave. These are all people that I've never I've never kind of interacted with or seen before. But I, you know, the the name of the conference or the name of the talk, sorry, sounded really interesting. So I feel like next time I have to make time to do that because I probably missed out on some really great stuff, especially given the situation I'm currently in. I love a conference. <laughs> and the reason why I've always loved this kind of thing is because, and especially in an industry where you often work on your own day in, day out, even if you work for a bigger company, you don't have colleagues as such. And what I love about my experience, especially of the intelligent instructor, is that ev- is that everybody is in the same position, whether they're five years deep, one year deep, still training, or 20 years deep. Everyone who goes to that conference, because there are lots of people that don't, I think that's a great shame, but everyone who goes to that conference, it, 
they're all in the same kind of mindset and quite often they know one another. So you meet someone who you met last time or that you spoke to on Instagram and they introduce you to another person. And, you know, Roland, who I went with, he's never been before. And I've only been as an exhibitor. I've never been as a PDI. So there were already people that I was aware of and that I knew and that I'd spoken to previously. And I haven't been for about 18 months, maybe longer. I went in 2021 and I was a bit daunted because um, it's not really, in my opinion, very well marketed. I don't know if I can say that, but I'm going to anyway. I don't think that it's, I don't think that the benefits of going to this kind of thing are very well marketed. And so I knew that I was going to see lots of people that I'd known from kind of my previous experience. And the second I walked in, I walked around the corner and I ran into someone that I knew from before. And they were so happy to see me. And we chatted for ages and they introduced me to another person who we chatted to for ages. And so in that sense, it's not just the networking, because obviously, um, you know, I do social media. So I'm always kind of thinking about what collab can we do in this sense and what will that mean to our viewer, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of a PDI, he's done it before and right royally fucked it up, coming back in and everyone being like, no, it's so good that you're doing it again. If you need anything, contact me. If there's any way I can help you, contact me. If you want to come and see me, come see me and I'll give you a run through. In that sense, you can't put money on how beneficial that is. Um, In terms of the conference itself, looking at it from kind of an external person as in I've done things like this before I think there's so many things they could be doing not just in terms of marketing but like um I'm just on a on a run now by the way I'm just going to (laughs) talk but um you know for start I think there were so many really really great talks lots of them clashed and I know that there will always be that in any 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 expo conference you go to but I think some of them maybe were appealing to the same audience but on at the same time don't ask me for an example because I've completely forgotten um and I think they had talks from the beginning of the day to the end of the day now at um Kempton obviously it's quite a lot smaller than Coventry so there weren't loads and loads of stands but there's lots of people and I think what a shame that there isn't a dedicated time to actually network you know, in lots of conference, they have a breakfast or they have an, an hour at lunchtime or two hours at lunchtime where you can actually dedicate yourself to going around the stalls. And then you're not sacrificing your time listening to all these amazing people who have got so much knowledge to impart. And you're getting, you're making connections and you're meeting people who are like-minded or who could help you or, you know, you could help. And I think that's, that for me was like, I came around being like, oh, I just wish there'd been time for me to network and time for me to see talks and I don't know if that's just me but that is kind of what I came away thinking I don't think it's just you because other people have told me that before um I'm kind of split because I think I agree what you're saying however the way my brain works I kind of like it that way the way it is now because I mentioned before being an introvert if it was like oh this time you're gonna do this and this time that would be too much. That would be overload for my brain. Um, so having it all in one day and going, okay, well, this is here and this is here, and I kind of plan my my route through the day. Um, that that works for me. But I think I probably agree more with you on like the broad perspective in the if there was a way to do that. But it's one of those things where, and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing where you're just cramming as much as we can in the hope yeah. to attract as many people as we can, and. But I, I do think that one thing I will say about the the stands, 
there were some really good people there and I got chatting to some really, really good people like Go Roadie. I think they're absolutely brilliant. And there were some others as well. Uh, but I think as well, when I think about it as a new to the in, So what I think is this. <laughs> Here we go. Wisdom with Laura. I think that we go to the Intelligent Instructor Expo because we know about the Intelligent Instructor Expo. We know about it because we're that kind of people and likely we have connections outside of that who are also those kinds of people. However, coming at it from someone who is maybe interested in getting into the industry for a completely different reason, I don't know that we I don't know that there's enough knowledge about who these people are and why they're good to listen to and who these stands are run by and why they're good to talk to unless you already have that knowledge. And I think the expo is a great thing. I think every industry, and most industries do, I, I work with a commercial bird control company and they have a fucking expo. Like everyone's got an expo, but I think, um, you know, there are so many people out there that would make amazing driving instructors. We need more. What are we actually doing in the context of the Intelligent Instructor Expo to attract people who want to but don't know how or who have just started but don't know enough or to come along and go, okay, this because it's benefited me. I've met some amazing people and I know that I can contact people if I'm having a bit of a nervous moment or if I need some advice. But I've, I only went there because I was an exhibitor once. Otherwise, I wouldn't know this whole world existed. It's like opening a can of worms. Um, I know, it, sorry. <laughs> no, you, the thing is, you're right. You're completely right. It, it, uh, I've had some people that, that come up to me over the, the weekend and, and thanked me. And they thanked me because through the Instructor podcast, I've discovered, I mean, Ray Seagrave was the example this time, but they've discovered Ray Seagrave or Sam Harper or Chris Spencer or whoever. They've discovered them through the Instructor podcast. And... I think you're right. You know, if if you didn't know who these people were, you're basing your decision on who to go see or whether not to see on the topic rather than the person. And I do think that there's more we can be doing to to promote the industry and the people within it. I, I'm a I'm a big believer in that. But let's put you on the spot a little bit because, like you said, social media and marketing that is kind of your background. What could we be doing? Um, talking about it more. We don't talk about it. I follow an awful lot of driving instructors on Instagram because they're, A, they're my target audience because that's what I think I'm good at and what I want to do is help driving instructors with their own social media. And B, it's the industry that I want to get into. So I want to, see, you know, I want to soak up all their knowledge. And I was thinking about this quite a lot. And like, I see a lot of um, instructors posting on their social media about how they've become, they've become in the top 100 or they're highly recommended or they've won an award. To a person who whose child is about to turn 17 or who loves driving, who has taught their mates how to drive, is like, oh, I can make a career out of this. They're not already following those people. So they're not going to know about this whole thing. They're not, they don't know about it unless they're lucky enough to have friends in the industry or whatever. So I think that, A, we're not talking about it enough. Like There are so many companies that are even at the expo. I did give them all a bit of a grilling. So I was like, your social media is rubbish. <laughs> but <laughs> who are who who have amazing products that could really be beneficial to people like um i mean i don't really know what the uh impression of pass me fast is kind of across the industry but when they were talking to me i was like okay cool so i've just moved to a new area in margate in the on the east coast having an app like that where i can go on and be like i'm now a driving instructor but i haven't got enough work 
that could be a really great way to start myself off. There's all the diary management apps, which do so much more. I know that you and Chris were talking about that on the podcast, that, that do so much more. There's the books, there's, you know, there's the other social media companies, there's Costco, there's so many things um, that they just have crap social media. And unfortunately, or fortunately for me, social media, it's free marketing and it's marketing directly into the hands of the people that you want to buy your product. So I know that we're talking about social media users being between the ages of 17 and 34, and 17-year-olds aren't going to be able to become driving instructors. But having a really great plethora of companies and driving instructors and organizations that have got great social media presence, that are funny, that are personable, that sits on your timeline, that you probably will scroll past most of the time, but but are there they are in your subconscious and when it comes down to choosing a career for yourself or for, or recommending a career to your children or teaching your children how to drive etc it's all there it's already there it's already in your mind it's already something that you engage with so you're going to go to those people and you're going to work with them it's fascinating um it's that old adage isn't it? that you can have the best product in the world but it's pointless having the best product in the world if no one knows about it exactly. you know one of my biggest flaws as you know, running this this instructor podcast is that I've got, I think now I'm on like 116 hours worth of audio content that the public can listen to. I reuse barely any of that. It's like that, that's what I should be doing more of, you know. So I, I know where my flaws are, but it's like you look at something like it's interesting what you were saying, sorry, about like um reaching people. For me, it's like bridging the gap because you know, a lot of 17-year-olds or parents of 17-year-olds are interested in the things we're teaching. Their concern is getting their kid to drive or, or whatever. And you look at someone like, you know, you're familiar with driving school TV. Now, a lot of instructors complain about driving school TV because they will talk about the way they hold the wheel and stuff like that. And I'm not going to say that I endorse or agree with everything that they put out, but they're making a real positive impact because yeah. for – even if there was, say, for every, I'm not saying this is correct, I'm just giving an example. If they put out one negative thing that I disagreed with, they'll be putting out 10 that I agree with. So they're bridging that gap. And it's enlightening people to the world of what it's actually like to be in a car. You know, a lot of the TikTok stuff I see from an instructor point of view, I hate. I, I really, really dislike it, but it's actually getting learners looking at stuff a different way. So, yeah. It may not be the way I want them to look at it, but it's still bringing them closer to the way I want to look at it rather than just that learner perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to work with Driving School TV and I think that the that what they do, I think it, what they do is great. And I think the thing is, the thing is, it's creating the conversation. And we do not do that. I say we, I'm not a we yet, but I'm just going to refer to myself as one. But we don't do that enough. We don't start the conversation. I think, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe you can answer the question. Is it because we're scared of other people not liking what we're saying or, or, or getting kind of told off by the driving instructors? Is it that? I don't know. It's a really good question. And I think there's, there's two different answers. Well, there's more than two, obviously. But I think there's two main answers. I think when it comes to instructors talking to instructors, I think when you look at the, the main or the biggest sort of site for, for instructors is Facebook. That's where most of us congregate. And there's so much bile and venom on there. 
you know, people listening to this may well have seen the the, the bit of a maybe not a pile on, but a bit of a mini pile on that happened to, to me and Chris recently when we released the, the first expert sessions and people, who are you to call yourself an expert? And, you know, someone said, you should never charge instructors. You should give all this for free and, and all this nonsense and a bit of a pile on. So when an instructor comes into the industry, for example, and they're seeing that, other people being attacked, they're less likely then to step out of that that comfort zone because they don't want to be attacked. But and then the uplift side, because I've had experiences as well. When I'm talking about the the safety stuff, for example, um, how learning to drive is, you know, it's about more than just passing a driving test. We'll get abuse online from that, from parents and whatnot. So wherever you go, you're gonna get that yeah. abuse That's and that the stick. World yeah. That's the and world it. And I fully understand why people don't go against that because it took me quite a while to go against that. You know, I messaged a good friend of mine the other day after the the, the conference, Shabnam Raja, back on season two. Everyone check out her episode. She's awesome. And I told her, I says, look, you'll love this. I've just stood in front of about 60 or 70 people presenting. And she's like, Terry, when I first spoke to you, you wouldn't even comment on a fucking post. <laughs> and he's, he's those baby steps. So I do think that's a big part of it but i i do want to ask you a question and i will not take offense at the answer i want you to be honest with this and i'm putting myself slightly out there for this oh, how's my social media okay <clears throat> terry no no i started following you a long time ago because i liked what you did i like your social media it's a very clear brand it's a clear message but, and I said this, I cannot tell you how many times I said this over the weekend and to the point where I was like, Laura, shut up. Everyone's going to hate you. There needs to be, like, I only met you on Sunday and I already feel like I know you. And um, I already feel like I like you. I do not, and, and you know, your podcasts are great. And I only listen to your podcast because I found social media and I liked it. But I think the, so, I don't think your social media because there's not enough of you on there. I don't think it's enough to necessarily bring somebody over to the podcast. You, It's something like, um, oh my God, it's been a long time since I've talked about this, but it's something like seven to 13 touch points before somebody buys me. You know a little bit about this, don't you? And your social media just needs to be busier and you just need to have more of you on it. And I know that that's a bit of an issue for you because you are an introvert, but to be quite frank with you, you have a podcast. So as much as you might be an introvert, you are now selling something that people have to buy into and what they're buying into is you. So if you are not present on your marketing, they're not going to know how amazing you are. And so they're not necessarily going to take that step to go, I'm going to listen to this podcast. And then you've lost, and you've, you've lost, a, you've lost a lead. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fascinating because you, you are 100% right, you know, and, and, um if you were to go back through my and this isn't what we'll come back to say conference in a minute guys i promise but if you were to go back through my um my social media particularly facebook because i, I haven't been as active on the other channels but you would see that towards the end of 2021 i got a bit of a kick up the ass from people saying exactly what you've just said to me um so i start putting myself out there more and that side of it and then 2022 happened and that just stopped mm -hmm. and now i'm getting more back into that and i'm going to be genuinely fascinated to see where i am in you know 12 months time with that and 
you know, it's just going to be interesting to see where I'm going forward. But, and yes, uh, maybe we'll add that onto the conversation when I stop recording as well. But either way, um, I, I want to bring back to the conference for a minute because you were talking about networking there. And I think a lot of instructors don't see the relevance of that. They don't necessarily know what networking is. So I'm, I'm going to throw that over to you. But what's the importance? What, what the benefits of actually networking? Um, well, first of all, I think um, it's a lonely job is what I get from a lot of people. And in terms of just to put it plain and simply mental health, I think people don't understand what you do unless they do it as well. So if you spend however many hours in a car every day and you could be part of a massive driving school but still feel very lonely because you haven't got your mates sat next to you in the office to have a bit of a, oh, should we have a cup of tea or whatever? <clears throat> it's just you. And obviously you meet a lot of people, but they're not your colleagues. They are your customer. Um, and I think networking pulls you into a place where there are other people who know what you do, understand why you do it most of the time, do the same thing, have similar experiences, have similar trauma. You know, I remember I know on your podcast, you talked podcast on your podcast, you talked, Chris talked about how um, he, a driving instructor went through something terrible and nobody really checked up on him or her. And Chris did. And I think when you're networking, you're you're kind of creating yourself a community of people who fully understand what you go through day to day in the car with students and that you can go, oh, I've had a tough one today and this is why. Or who can give you advice if you're not getting through to a learner or who can validate you because we all need validation. As Chris rightly said, we need validation. So if you have a network of people that you've met, that you've created connections with, that you've potentially gone out for a beer with or a cup of coffee with or whatever you can go oh, I had this I've had this guy fail five times I don't know what I'm doing okay cool let's talk through it you can't do that with you can't do that with your your wife or your husband or your best friend because they don't know and I think that's the most important thing it's a lonely job it can be shit for your mental health if you've got people who get it great but also <clears throat> in terms of business now at the moment I know it's a bit different because people that everyone's got a waiting list everybody so it's not like we're crying out for business but that's not always going to be the case we're not always going to need that you know that I think that I think the driving instructor industry is growing I think a lot of young people are coming into it where they haven't before um and I think networking with people means that if you are struggling to find business and you have someone in your area who you have a developed relationship with that you have built through networking, you can go to them and go, do you have any students? Do you have anything that you can help me with? And they can help you. You don't have that if you've never met that someone before. If someone messaged me and said, Laura, um, I need some help. With, I need some advice on my social media for free. I'd be like, no. Like, why would I? I don't know who you are. If you message me or you talk to me at the end of this because we've already got a relationship and you need some advice, I'm there fully. That's the difference. And I think networking is so underrated in in every industry because to, to create a community of people who get it and get you and can actually help you and benefit you and vice versa, you can't pay for that. I think I would agree wholeheartedly again. I think we're agreeing too much today. We need to find someone to disagree on. <laughs> so boring. Um, Argue yeah. with me, Terry. <laughs> um, anyone that hasn't, go back and listen to the Green Room episode uh, that I recorded live at, at Kempton because I said it on there about this podcast probably wouldn't be a thing if there wasn't, if I hadn't spoken to Bob Martin and Chris Benstead. You know, they were the, the two people that I specifically sought out 
um, not necessarily promotion or anything like that, but they helped me reach new people. And I think that that came, this, this podcast grew from that. You know, if I'd have just stayed in my own little network without reaching out to new people, then that that wouldn't have happened. But I want to finish up with the question of CPD because we were speaking a little bit before we hit record today and I found your thoughts on it again very similar to mine but I thought I liked the way you spoke about it so just give me your perspective of CPD and, and potentially the way it's uh, treated in our industry. Okay so I can't remember quite what I said and I was so articulate then but now <laughs> I'm on the spot I can't um, but what I would say is, from my own experience in other industries, continued professional development is so vital. And but, but here, when you are in charge of making sure that somebody is safely in charge of a vehicle, a one-ton thing that moves really quick and can do considerable damage to human life and property, the idea that you don't want to do that to the absolute best of your ability blows my mind. I hadn't thought until I listened to your podcast that anybody on this earth would become a driving instructor to make sure someone can tick some boxes on a day and then say, off you go, good luck, don't run over anybody. To me, you're in this industry because you, as I said to you earlier, it's the it's a massive privilege to be that heavily involved in someone, in a massive milestone in someone's life. That's That's something that really draws me to the industry. So to not want to do that so that you can safely know that you've done that to the absolute best of your ability and that person is going to drive well and safely for the rest of their lives. If you're not, why are you in this industry if you're not doing that? Why are you in this industry if you are just making sure that they pass? And the thing that really, really got to me was the whole concept of what Chris was saying about the bare minimum. There shouldn't be a bare minimum. When it comes to teaching someone to drive, you should be expert enough and up to date enough with everything on the roads to be able to impart that knowledge well to somebody else that is then going to be out on the roads. That shouldn't be questionable. Um, I understand the concept of having to pay for continued professional professional development is tricky because we don't all have a lot of money. But the other thing that Chris said was there's a lot of uh, a lot of free stuff out there that isn't accessed either. I just think it shouldn't be a question. If you have any kind of conscience, you should always be working to the next thing. I don't really understand the whole audit trainer thing because I'm so new to the industry. I don't understand the fleet trainer thing where that comes in in terms of being better at your job. But how I see it is, you know, student drivers go on to take the pass plus because they want to be the best they can be at driving or because they need to be able to do the, to do better for themselves to make sure that they feel safe. But we should driving instructors should just be doing that as standard i can't tell you whether how i feel about whether you should pay for it or not i mean um if you want to do a master's degree to make you better and to make you more um attractive to potential clients you pay for it uh if you want to learn to be a driving instructor you pay for it but you don't pay half as much you pay if you go off and do a degree i'm in twenty-five thousand pounds worth of debt because I did a degree and I've got I've got accepted for a master's degree, but it's going to cost me £15,000. If if I can afford to do it, I'd do it and I wouldn't question it because it's going to make my future prospects better. And I think a whole other conversation is um, then how does that reflect in what we earn? I understand why that's a bit of a sticky one because can you charge more and just say, well, hey, though, I've got all this stuff. I've got all these letters after my name, whatever, because 
are you then potentially losing custom because you're more, that is a tricky one but that's the same you go to your hairdressers you get a junior stylist or you get the top dog you pay a lot different for the top dog than for the junior stylist they both do the same job they just do it for different I don't know I just feel like we're literally in charge of lives here but I think again I agree with what you're saying uh, regarding the, the paying for stuff I'm always skeptical over this because I think there's probably enough out there in the industry that is free that you can probably get by without paying for stuff if you wanted to. You know, I think I made the point recently that, uh, again, I'll use this podcast as an example. It's an easy example for me to use that you could listen to this podcast, listen to everyone that speaks in it over the course of six months and go, right, I want to work with that person. So you're using this to gain knowledge, information and inspiration is what I say, um, and then find out who else you want to work, whoever that's me or you or Bob Morton or whoever is irrelevant, but you can use this as like a filler. But in, in terms of it costing too much, there is some expensive stuff out there. Sometimes you have to take a step back and go, do you know what, I'm going to have to do that next year and I'm going to save up for it. Alternatively, again, an example of mine, if you increased your prices by about 20 pence an hour, that would cover the cost of the Instructor Podcast Premium easily on a month basis. I don't think any students are going to complain about a 20 pence an hour price. Well, they probably would because it's 20p, <laughs> but not in terms of the cost <laughs> increase. And that's not me telling people to come to me. That's just, you put your price up by a pound an hour, you've covered your CPD for a year. Yeah. Easy as that. But it's interesting what you say. Is there anything else you want to touch on today, do you think, before uh, I take oh, you away from this platform? We don't have enough time. <laughs> on uh for me to start, just from that one podcast i think that there's just so much up for debate this is such an interesting industry to be in at this moment in time and i said this to you when we spoke yesterday um i think slowly but surely it's becoming more diverse i think it's becoming younger i think it's people looking at it through fresh eyes but there's just so much more that we and that's the collective we, that's the people listening to this podcast, that's the people who, that's the people from the Intelligent Instructor Guys, that's the people who have apps that we could be doing to make it more accessible to potential drivers, to make it safer, to make it more fun. There's just so much. And I don't think that right now is the time, <laughs> the time for that conversation. Well, we'll finish on this then um, because uh, I did forget to tell you I was going to ask you this. So, uh, again, I'm putting you on the spot. So, apologies. But at the end of every episode, I like to ask someone for their ultimate driving songs. So, kind of like to the, the Instructor Podcast Spotify playlist. So, what would be your ultimate driving song? Okay, this is going to be really out there. And it's quite a new song into my life. And it's called um, Little Girl Run by an artist called Chinchilla. And it's the best female rage anthem I've ever heard in my 36 years on earth and if I'm ever feeling anxious about a situation I put that on full blast scream at the top of my lungs while driving safely and making all the correct observations and nothing puts me in a better mood than that song so it's going to be a mix that probably will be mostly disliked but you know can't win them all not heard it, but uh, it's quite an eclectic mix over there anyway, so we'll add it to that. Do you want to uh, just tell people where they can find you if they want more Laura goodness? So I am on Instagram, mainly on Instagram, um, at Laura MBJ, I think. I'm going to go with that. I changed it recently and couldn't change it back. So, um, But I'm also on um, Get Wheel Driving on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok with my amazing instructor, Roland, who... I'll tell you about another time. 
Well, people can find the links for that stuff in the show notes anyway. But uh, yeah, a big thank you for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. And in just a moment, we're going to be back with some very special interviews from people that I spoke to at the conference, including Francis from Driving School TV and Kit Magazine. But just before we dive into that, first of all, big thank you to Laura Joyce. It was uh, really interesting hearing the PDI perspective on things like networking and personal development, even in the instructor industry as a whole. So a uh, really interesting conversation there. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the latest signups to the Instructor Podcast Premium. And they are Elizabeth Price, Katie Dunkley, Paul Blood, Kevin Dias and Sharon Houghton. Now, these guys have immediate access to a wealth of content with almost 100 exclusive shows available just for my premium members, covering things on coaching and the standards check and managing nerves, building confidence, and even looking at how we can run better driving schools. If you would like to sign up, head over to www.theinstructorpodcast.com or check out the show notes for links over there. Or alternatively, drop me a message. I'm easy enough to find. For now, let's see what these guys got to say. So we're now joined by the uh, Francis from Driving School TV. How are you hey, doing, Francis? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? All the better for seeing your smiley face. <laughs> um, how, many ev- Sorry, again. how many of these events have you been to now? We've been to quite a lot now. We've been to the last three or four. So Kempton, we came to the first Kempton Park Raceway yeah. last year. And it was actually really good. Um, it's a small event. It feels a bit more intimate. So you can really communicate and talk to people a little bit more. Um, the Coventry ones are obviously the main yeah. the main focus of the year and it's always really good um, with the size of the venue and the amount of people that turn up so you can get a lot out of the Coventry venue but I really like the intimacy of, of uh, Kempton Park Raceway and look at the scenery we've got here as well I noticed that I'm still coming I want a fan of the queue to get in but when we got in it we're all good but just tell us a bit um, well in fact I'll ask you about that a bit more so since you've been coming the last three or four years like I said have you noticed growth in this or a change of people or are you seeing the same people or um, it is nice to see people that have come before and they go ah oh, I've seen you before and seen your talk and I really like what you do um, or they've seen our YouTube content which is all obviously really nice because um, we help their learners and they appreciate it so it's really nice to see people especially the ones that we've seen before but it's also good to network with, with new people and new faces in fact, I'm going to ask you about that, actually, because you said there about people coming up and they've seen you on YouTube, they've seen you on TikTok, whatever. How does that feel? Because I'm feeling it a little bit this year with people coming up, oh, you're taking the podcast. you. Yeah. yeah, awesome. How does that feel when people do that? At first, it was weird. At first, it made me really shy, I'll be honest. <laughs> and I'll feel like the ground needs to swallow <laughs> me up immediately, but I've got used to it. Um, and it's a, it's a really nice feeling that people appreciate what you do and appreciate what you bring. And everyone's lovely, aren't they? For the most part, yes. For the most part. I like that. All but one just didn't appreciate my driving style, but can't please everybody. <laughs> uh, all right, well, you mentioned there about Driving School TV. Just tell us a little bit about that, where, where people can find you, what you do, that sort of stuff. Uh, we're at Driving School TV on every social. Um, well, the main socials that young people are on, because we mainly target our content to learner drivers. So we're on TikTok. We're quite big on TikTok, Instagram. Uh, YouTube's our main platform where we promote all of our educational, fun and educational content. Um, so at Driving School TV on everything. Yeah, smashing. Uh, all right, well, thank you for taking some time for us today. Awesome, Terry. Awesome. Do you know what? 
we've been talking for so long. It's so, this is the point <laughs> of the expos. This is why they're so awesome because you can actually connect with people that you've been talking to on maybe social media and. It's been so nice to see you. Thank you. Well, it's an audio, not video, but do we need a hug? I think oh, we need a hug. Yes. Yeah, there we go. You can definitely feel that hug on the microphone there, can't you? <laughs> All right, so we're now joined by Michelle from My Drive Time. How are we doing, Michelle? Great, thanks. Excellent. And um, we are at the Intelligent Instructor Conference in Kempton. You having a good day so far? Yeah, it's been really busy. Yeah, it's, it's been lovely to meet people. You uh, sort of come to these quite a lot. How will you find this in comparison to others? Does it sort of feel the same old, same old? I don't mean in a bad way, but... <laughs> um, I'm seeing new faces. I think um, it's nice to have uh, the expos in different locations because you do see different people each time. Yeah. yeah. I must admit, I'm looking forward to it coming a bit more up north. Yeah. But, um, all right, so you're obviously in my drive time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your role there? Um, yeah, well, my my job title is I'm the technical director, uh, so I'm basically um, part of the development team. Um, well, there's, there's three of us who work on, on development, and I focus mainly on the database side of things, uh, on the back end, so keeping it all stable, making sure everything works properly. Yeah. Uh, we've had Dan on before, and I think we were talking before, and I made the statement, not you, that you do all the work and he takes all the credit. Is that pretty much where you're at? Well, you know, um, Dan wouldn't say that. But... <laughs> <laughs> we won't, he won't listen, it's fine. Um, all right, so just tell us a little bit about my drive time, and especially my drive time 2.0, where you're at now. Yeah, so my drive time, we launched in 2014. I think we were the first, pretty much the first to launch this kind of system for ADIs. And uh, in all that time, that what's that, nine years, we've had so much feedback on what people want in a system like this. And my drive time too basically answers all those questions. Um, so what are some of the features you've introduced? Um, we've got a really great customizable reflective log feature. Um, we are doing uh, journey tracking, so you can uh, use a GPS on your phone to record the routes that you're traveling with your students and share all of that information. Um, we've got uh, a standards check indicator report to help you see where, um, where you might be able to improve with um, certain aspects of where people, you know, where your students are maybe falling down in their, t in their tests. Um, you, can, you can use that to, to sort of pick up Awesome. And uh, if people want to find out more about My Drive Time, where can they go? Yeah, go to mydrivetime.co.uk. Start a free trial. Smashing. Okay, well, thank you for your thank time. It's a pleasure to meet you. Lovely to meet you. Uh, so, I am now joined by another esteemed guest. Do you want to introduce yourself to tell people where you're from and what you do? Yeah, okay, so it's Alan Hiscox, and I am the Director of Safety with the British Horse Society. What does that role entail? Okay, well, we're the largest equine charity in the UK but our safety team is all to do with the one, oh, it's a one-stop shop for anything for horses or carriage drivers or riders to come and talk to about us. But 90% of our work is all about incidents on the roads with horses or carriage drivers where vehicles are passing too fast or too close. 69 horses were killed on the roads last year, 139 injured, 125 riders injured. So it is really a, uh, a serious issue for all equestrians. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this now, but is, is that on the rise? Is it, is it getting better? Do you think the awareness is helping? Well, there was the highway code changes that came in in January last year, and we saw a dip of about 20% whilst the publicity was there for the highway code changes. Now that has all sort of died away, incidents have started to rise again. So last year, there was a 20% increase in incidents. So the work that the DFT did to get those highway code changes in really did have an effect on the safety for horse riders. But now that sort of publicity behind those changes are gone, 
we are seeing that increase again. So our role is really to try and get those messages out to drivers. And just put you on the spot a little bit, because this is going out to driving new instructors. So for anyone listening now, what one tip or one piece of advice would you give to, to driving instructors? Okay, so our dead slow messages are in the highway code. If you see a horse on the road, slow down to a maximum of 10 miles an hour. Don't send your horn or rev your engine. Pass wide and slow at least two meters and drive slowly away. And I know driving instructors will be teaching those messages, but the way that horses can react sometimes is not known to the driver or driving instructor. They are flight animals, they can move incredibly swiftly, uh, and they've got you know, incredible eyesight. So all those messages that are in the highway code actually mean that safe passes to horses will happen nearly all the time. Awesome. Uh, and we're at Kempton. Um, how are you finding the, 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 the event today? Uh, Great, you know, we've had some great exchanges with, uh, with driving instructors and information. You know, we've got a lot of resources that driving instructors can use for their learner drivers about how to pass horses safely. So yeah, it's been a really good sort of interactive um, uh, event for us. Uh, and where can people find you? So if they want to access those resources, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, our website is bhs.org.uk and uh, Alan Hiscox or Des Payne are in the safety team so yeah please give us a shout smashing uh, last question and i'm asking this to you specifically out of curiosity we are at kempton as yeah. we said yeah. so horse racing what's your stand on horse racing um well obviously there are some uh, some some issues around horse racing but i have ridden out from some stables uh, and the the way that those horses are treated is second to none so um, I, I know that there is absolutely every care and attention taken for, uh, for, for horses and racehorses. So, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of people involved in horse racing and I know that they care for the welfare of those horses absolutely utmost. Well, thank you for your time today. It's very much appreciated. Okay. And you'll notice it's now silence because we're in the, the secret room with Richard Stars. How are we doing, Richard? Very well, thank you, Terry. Very well. Uh, I want to ask you, first of all, this event uh, here at Kempton today, how are you feeling about this one? How do you think it's gone uh, sort of on its own and in comparison to the, the other ones you've done? Um, I think it's gone well. Um, we're approaching, um, not uh, we're close to the end. We've got the DVSA to look forward to at three o'clock. So I think a lot of people have had a very busy day. I've been here since six this morning, so it feels a particularly long day, but um I'm come up for a cup of tea in the green room and a bit of sugar rush. But I think it's gone well. I think um, we don't know the final numbers of delegates, but we're looking at probably 20% up year on year since we ran this event last year. Uh, the weather's been kind, which is good for the guys outside in the EV display and the outdoor activity area. Um, seminars seem to be well attended, which is great. Um, and we'll be sending out... Um, survey swore delegates and exhibitors to get their real feedback um this evening and uh, you come up here for your piece and quiet and you got jumped by me <laughs> so apologies for that but are we back next year um i think we are going to we'll look at the, we'll look at the feedback um it's been very positive so far so um if there's appetite in the industry to um have a, an event in the south then absolutely we'll be back here yeah uh, and just a quick one uh, on the pdi zone because that was sort of new this year i think wasn't it yeah it was a new idea because what we wanted to do is try and get um instructors fresh into the industry along to our event um they've probably got the most to learn um so yeah that's been really popular and so um potentially next year we might look at having a bigger area for that pdi zone because all the 
talks that we've um, had today, one's going on with Moo Walsh, who's been kindly hosting the event today for us in that area. It seems to be really, really popular with, you know, standing room only in every session that we've run today. Yep, uh, it did look popular from uh, from me being around there. And uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a really good idea because I don't think there is anything like that for or PDIs in particular. So I'm uh, really impressed with that. But uh, I won't hold you anymore because you've got a cup okay. of tea going cold. That's all right. No, no, no worries. But um, thank you for doing the podcast as well and putting the effort in coming here today. So we really appreciate that as well. well thank you for asking me. It's uh, always a pleasure. All right, thank you. Oh, so now joined by Lee Joe again. Uh, you were on the last one of these I did. How are we doing, Lee? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, Terry. Nice to see you. Good yep. to see you again. So the last time I recorded one of these would have been in 2021 at the Expo. Yeah, it was in Coventry, wasn't it? Yeah. At, um, what, what's changed for you since then, Lee? Um, well, I think since then, um, we've, me and Mick Knowles have started our company. Uh, we go up and down the country delivering training. So my weeks have got busier, spend less time at home, <laughs> um, spend less time with <laughs> wife, kids, miss me dog more. Um, so yeah, yeah, but good stuff, all good stuff. Things are going in the direction that we want them to, just like yourself. You mentioned the uh, the company, you want to tell everyone what that is? Uh, yes, Knowledge Role Instructor Training, um, which breaks down into Mick Knowles and the end bit is Lee for Lee Jowett. So, if anyone thinks we've actually spelled it wrong, it is on purpose. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not my grammar, which is poor enough. But but Kit for short. Kit for short and Kit Mag. So those that are aware of Kit Mag, we've got nearly 1,500 subscribers now. Um, free Mag. Sign up to it if you've not already done so via our website, um, www.adikit.co.uk. Free monthly Mag with all kinds of CPD from some of the uh, the best um, trainers in the industry. Um, and we feature some of the best people in the industry, like Terry Cook from time to time. I've heard he's half decent, so <laughs> yeah. definitely check that out. Um, but I mentioned before about seeing you first as Expo in 2021. Um, what are your thoughts on it and how it's developed over the years? Um, it's nice to see a lot of people. It's nice to see a lot of driving instructors come out, get in the car and be interested and want to learn. Um, I had just, I mean, <laughs> I, I got here at half 11 um, today because I thought, well, I'll stay in Warwick an hour's drive away and uh, get up nice and early in the morning. And Mick woke me up at quarter past nine to say that he was already here and I was still an hour and 15 minutes away. But when I got to the car park, I was just like, wow lots of people yeah so it's good to see i think um there's a lot of good speakers there's a lot of people that i'd like to have seen but i've missed um i missed you miss ray <laughs> mr kevin tracy uh, but loads of great speakers bob i miss bob um yeah loads and loads so but good to see people a lot of familiar faces um, and a good day. New faces as well, I think, this year, which yeah. is great. But I just want to ask you about, just briefly, the, the PDI zone, mm. uh, which was new this year. I think that's a great idea. and It's been great to see that packed as well. It is packed, isn't it? And such a busy time for PDIs coming into the industry and such a good time for them to come into the industry. I, I totally agree with you. What a great idea that is to have a PDI zone. Yeah. And, uh, and some, you know, that people can come that are just starting their journey, their process. I'd have loved something like that when I was training. 
there's nothing there's more and more you know there's your content and the likes of bob and chris and you know and then we've got kit mag and the people that are writing for us and he's these are free resources it's yeah. fantastic uh, last, I just want to remind people where they can find you. Uh, they can find us on Facebook. Uh, they can find our website, www.adikit.co.uk, the Kit Podcast, uh, and also Meet the Standards, my ebooks. So, are there any PDIs listening that want some more help and um, support with uh, their standards check and part three? then uh, you can download them on the new driver program website. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for your time today. No worries, Terry. Good to see you. I'm now joined by the other uh, kit member. Kit, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, member. Founder. Yes, member. member. Kit right. founder. <laughs> um, how are we doing, Mick? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Excellent. All, all the better for seeing your smiley face. I um, try to keep smiling as much as I can. How are you finding the, the conference this year? Yeah, good. Um, Obviously, we've just been presenting on it, um, but yeah, it's good. It's um, it's the first time I've been down to it to Kempton. I've done Coventry when it was there a couple of times, um, but yeah, it's good. It's um, a lot of familiar faces, but also a lot of new faces as well. What do you think of it in comparison to the the Coventry one, or the bigger expo one? Coventry to me was it just seemed I don't know it seemed to be a lot more there. But when I turned up this morning, I thought, wow, there's loads of cars. Um, but you haven't had that sort of crush walking around yeah. the stands. But that's probably because there's three large rooms on and there's plenty of people in, in, in them all the time. So yeah. you're not sort of fighting your way through the crowds. Yeah. But there's still a lot of people here. I was uh, talking to Francis from Driving Truck TV before and he said it feels more intimate. He says yes. you get to have more conversations. Yes. Which, yeah. You know, it's plus and minus just to both. But yeah. um, I did ask Lee, but I'm going to ask you as well. How's uh, how's Kit going? Um, well, uh, very good. Very good. Um, busy. We've just uh, we've had a, an awesome week. Uh, Edinburgh. No, we didn't. Aberdeen. Edinburgh. Manchester. And now we're down there in London. So it's been a, a busy week. I left home on Sunday. Got back late Tuesday, out on Friday, left this morning, and yeah, hopefully get back for my tea tonight, maybe. <laughs> well, we're having you than me. Um, okay, cool. Any, any, in fact, I do want to ask you um, one last question. How important is it the way that uh, instructors wear suits and shirts and ties? <laughs> we actually spoke about this this morning, <laughs> didn't we? Um, so, how important is it? Well, does it make me a better instructor? Does it make me deliver better training if I'm wearing jeans and trousers, uh, jeans and trainers? Or am I going to say exactly the same thing if I'm wearing a suit? Okay, thank so you. So no, it doesn't. There's no difference. Right, well, uh, thanks for your time today, Mick. It's much appreciated. Cheers, mate. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.